What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. Wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Going, going okay, Graham. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> Graham's sitting in some, like, beach chair right now. Yeah. In a storage room. I'm, I'm below you as well, which also adds an interesting, uh, view to the proceedings here. Yes, indeed. So, I'm, like, looking up at Adam... Got the cat litter right next to you as well. At least there's no shit or piss on it. That's good. Feels like it could be a shit show of a show, Graham. Indeed. With that being said, before we jump into anything Atlanta sports, I'd like to address something with you on air. Okay. So, this has been brought up by uh, user Hugo and uh, user Crochet, a.k.a. the two biggest Matt Ryan haters in the world. Uh Uh-huh. But this is not related to Matt Ryan. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So, for those of you who uh, solely know Graham as a podcast host uh, and not a regular human being, Graham is getting married in a few months, in 2020, and user Hugo seriously thinks that you should be able to walk down the aisle, just you, walk down the aisle to the Superstation theme song that we play at the beginning of each one of these episodes. And he's, push, he's been pushing hard for this for a few months. I finally said I would address it with you. What are your initial thoughts, Graham? Pretty cool. I'm not averse to it. Because, uh, it but does a man walk down to a song? No, it doesn't matter. Okay. It, normally, you don't, because the, the real music doesn't start until right. once you get up there. So, but you do walk down the aisle, by your like usually with you or uh, whoever's marrying you. Um, so I think... Actually, would be kind of appropriate for a. What do you think? Can the whole song play out while we're standing there awkwardly? <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm just like looking around. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awkward. I'm, I, I'm okay with it. Okay. I really have no problem with that. All right. Well, that's not a lot of conflict there. What were they, what were they expecting? Oh, hell no, man. Well, well it, yeah, I don't know. Some people might say it'd be inappropriate for a wedding. It may. I'm not saying we're going to do it. I'm just saying I'm not opposed to it. It's not going to happen. Probably not. Damn it. All right. Well, we'll see. We got five months to figure it out. I don't think anyone's ever said we'll see, and it happens. So just let let Hugo down now. Explain to Hugo why it's not going to happen, Graham. Probably not going to happen just because it would be strange for a wedding. I don't know. Very disappointing. It is. Hey, that's probably not gonna happen. Okay. I would not get your hopes up. Fair enough. All right, you heard you heard it from his mouth. Now, now, should we get into Atlanta professional sports? Let's Graham? get into Atlanta professional sports. Where do you want to start? Falcons. All right. <clears throat> Falcons pulled out a miracle victory over San Francisco 49ers, who I believe entering the game. Last week, we're number one seed in the NFC. Falcons go on the road, hang tough all game, pull out a 29-22 victory, and set an NFL record by scoring two touchdowns the fastest amount of time in NFL history. Two seconds. <laughs> I didn't, with, with I that, didn't realize that. Yeah, with yeah. that ridiculous play at the end there. That's hilarious. Where we recovered the fumble uh, when they, San Francisco kept trying to lateral it 45 times. Wound up throwing the ball 15 yards backwards and then just rolling the end zone. And uh, our boy Zacchaeus scooped it up in the end zone to really seal the victory. 
What were your thoughts on that game, Graham? Emotionally, how were you feeling about us getting that win? I felt good about it, but I was also, once again, just left with an empty hole in my heart. I don't give, really give a shit about the drafts right now. I know it hurts our draft status, but it was just more of like, you know, the one thing that you're never going to get from Dan Quinn is consistency. He's going to have a, you're going to have a season where we beat a great team and we lose to, the, you know, the Titans before they got good this year or something like that. It doesn't, like, this, this reaction that's been on Twitter, this vehement reaction of just saying, oh, you got to give him another chance now. And, you know, a lot of, it's not just fans. There are a lot of pundits out there, analysts, that are saying you got to give him another chance. But, I mean, you got to look at the whole picture and, you, and, and look at this year. It's like we started off 1-7. This is the second year in a row we started off really shitty, and then won some games down the stretch are ultimately meaningless. And it's like if and Dan Quinn is nineteen and twenty two since the Super Bowl debacle. If you bring him back again, you will get more of the same. Maybe you'll go to the playoffs again next year. I don't know, but we're never gonna get to where we want to go or have any sort of consistency with Dan Quinn as our head coach, in my opinion. Five years, I've seen enough. That's a real uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation uh, well analysis on your part for Dan Quinn. The fact that we got a great win on the road is an example of why you need to fire Dan Quinn. Is what you're saying there. It just reinforces... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we go out there and lose by 10 points to Jacksonville on Sunday. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get, and it's frustrating. Well, I think we're winning out. I mean, just this team can't get ready for a season for whatever reason. Well, yeah, and like I hear, you know, Dan Quinn in the presser, I don't know if it was today or yesterday or whatever, he's like, this team's really starting to find its identity. It's like, motherfucker, it's week 15. Oh, he said that. Yeah, and I was like, if he, if, if you're just finding your identity now, that's just another reason to fire your ass because if you can't find an identity until week 15 when the season is over, I'm sorry. We, just, we can't keep dealing with this, with this shit. We can't keep wasting prime years of, of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And I'd also like to point out that, you know, we beat San Francisco... With pretty much only Julio as with Julio is pretty much the only wide receiver. Well, see, I was thinking about that today as I was re-listening to our last week's podcast when we were talking about Austin Hooper, and you were saying something about how we're not going to have the offensive weapons if we don't bring Hooper back. But I think as long as you have Julio Jones, we've proven in other games that I mean, if you scheme well enough, you don't need superstar skill players everywhere. No, you don't. And I, I think that's exactly why. We're in the position we are now with um, shitty depth in the trenches is because we focused on these superstar players where we didn't need Calvin Ridley, really. No, that was like, that was not we, a good pick at the end of the day. You have Julio Jones put just like solid receivers who can who aren't going to drop the ball left and right. Yeah. Speaking of drop balls, you know the Falcons have the fewest drop balls in the league. Oh, wow. It's like three. That's actually, that's saying something. Three on the season. That's saying something considering we're like the twenty seventh worst rushing offense. So we throw the ball a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, against the Niners, they did what you're supposed to do with Julio Jones, which is just feed him the ball all day long, and he's going to win his matchups. It's just like the Niners were doing with uh, Kittle. Yeah, like they have a Kittle beast, killed us. They have a beast of a receiver, and we knew it, it, they were going to throw it to him, and he's still like. He has that much talent. He's still going to make plays. Um, yeah, one thing that was interesting to me about this game is, once again, the reliance on Devontae Freeman trying to run the football was just sad to watch. I know San Francisco has a, an excellent, excellent run defense. But, you know, 12 carries, 39 yards. Brian Hill only gets one opportunity at him. You know what he did with that one carry? 
Got about 16 yards. 16 yards, right on the money. Woo! Yeah, one carry for 16 yards. It's like, why? Like, every time Brian Hill gets the, the ball, it's like he's shot out of a cannon. I don't know why he's not getting more opportunities to touch football in these games, particularly when we really don't have anything to play for. You know, it's not like you're hurting the team by having him go out there. And every time, it seems like every time he gets the ball, he, he does something exciting with it. Obviously, that would change if he got more volume, but I'm seeing enough from him to the point where I want to see him get a 15 touch game or something like that. You realize we won this game, though, right? Yes. And it was a very good win. I mean, if, if this win had been under any other circumstance, it'd be like... I mean, we have the two best... Probably the two best wins in the NFL yeah. this year. Go on the road, beat the Saints. And crush go, the Saints. And then go on the road to beat, beat the Niners. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? And a game-winning drive. This is the 38th time Matt Ryan has done this, which is tied for the NFL lead since he came in the league in 2008. With uh, your boy Drew Brees. But, unfortunately, I mean, I, I, just watching that game, I was just, like, very neutral the entire time. Yeah, there's not, like, a ton, like, even when we won, I didn't get really excited. I was, like, I, when, the, when the Julio Jones call was was um, was overturned, and when the ball clearly broke the plane there, I was, like, good, yay. But I, I wasn't, you know, if that had happened in a game where we were, I don't know, playoff contention or, or fighting for seeding, I would have been stripping my pants off and running down yeah. the street, you know? Yeah, that, that, I feel like Dan Quinn has stripped us of many potential great moments this year, Graham. Yeah. Like, how, that, that would have been an amazing win. Yeah, but now it's just like... Instead, it's just like, shit, now we drop from 8th to 12th. Yeah, and it says a lot draft. about this team to me also that they're playing this well because they're fighting for Dan Quinn's job. And it's like, where the hell was this in the beginning of the season? It just keeps going back to him. No matter if it's... Like, like, no matter what, no matter if it's the best win in the world, which one could argue this was, a, you know, the win of the year, I wouldn't, you know, argue against you. I mean, you could say the Saints game. Regardless, it's like at the end of the day, it's just, it just is hollow. It's very hollow. And it doesn't really have a ton of meaning to me for the long-term prospects of the franchise. And you have to look at the long-term prospects because you're totally screwed this year. Yeah, year's almost over, Graham been a wasted couple seasons yeah and it can't continue and if you bring them back that's what's going to happen again next year and i really can't maybe, maybe not oh yeah you just don't know right but i mean there's there's more we've seen enough we've had three shitty seasons and two good seasons really one great season i think you have to look at the big picture if you're arthur blank like don't don't look at these wins in new orleans and san francisco or the fact that the players might be fighting for them, or maybe they're just playing for their own jobs. Who knows? The bigger picture is you thought about firing this guy last year after finishing 7-9. and nine. You bring him back this year, and at the end of the day, the best-case scenario is 7-9. I don't care how you get to 7-9. and nine, You're 7-9. and nine. Right. Like you said, we started 1-7. and seven. That's unacceptable. He's got to go. Yeah. If mediocrity is all you want, then hire him again. Simple as that. Yeah. And it's not a situation either where, you know, you'll get a head coach in here who will retain the defensive coordinators or anything like that. If you bring in a new head coach, he's going to bring his own staff. Um, you know, it'll be a completely different look, which I can also see someone thinking, though, like, oh, God, you know, if you just give them one more chance, maybe this is, maybe they finally, finally really figured it out. They're playing a hell of a lot better now than they did down the stretch last year. They're beating quality opponents. I mean, I can see the argument for it, but I just I cannot get behind it. There's too much evidence, 
to the negative than there is to the positive for me for this this regime. Thomas Dimitrov included. I mean, this is this is what only going to be a second losing season, though, right? Though. Yeah, because I think the first season was eight and eight. Just still pretty much seven and nine. Eight still missed eight. the playoffs. You started five and zero oh that year too, and you collapsed down the stretch. Eight and eight, then the Super Bowl, and the playoffs, and then two shit shows. Yeah, and it just comes back to like I mean, th- no one's talking about this, but it's the it's the second half after that fumble, uh, where, where Barner fumbled the punt, and Uzcheck picked up the fumble at the one yard line. For some reason, Dan Quinn decides to call a timeout there and burn a timeout. With like 13 minutes left in the third quarter, whatever it was. And it's like, what the, what are you doing? We know how precious timeouts are at the end of the game, and that's what he does. Like, what, what, what advantage does that give you to call a timeout there? It's just stupid. What did you think about him when we did score the touchdown, not kicking the extra point? Not going for two, but kneeling it? I actually thought that was kind of smart. At first, I was like, what the hell is he doing? But then I thought, you know what? If one team can have an extra point go awry after this, it's it's the Falcons. So you know, especially with the you know the ball doesn't die anymore. We were the first pick. We were the first pick two in the history of the NFL. So we could easily fumble it, throw a pick, yeah, get it blocked. I actually was Return. in favor of it. when it first happened. I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, like, you know what? That was actually a smart move. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I was fine with it honestly. Yeah, it was. Quite odd, though. I've never seen. Do you think his game manager coach? I don't know. Do who that? Called it. I don't know. I don't really care. I. I it was a good. I'll, I'll give whoever made that call credit, though. Um. Yeah, and the defense played, you know, outstanding. Held the 49ers to four of twelve on third down conversions. They weren't really torched by anybody except for Kittle, and um. I tell you what, Isaiah Oliver. Ever since. Raheem Morris moved back over to defense. Has just been a completely different player. Blanketing receivers like there's no tomorrow. Sheffield looks good. Another. This is just another example of why you move on from Desmond Trufant. Like we were totally fine without him. I mean, I know Kittle killed you, but Kittle kills everybody. I mean, that game last week against the Saints, where he caught a ball and had three guys pulling his face mask and ran the ball 25 yards down the field. He's a freak of nature. He's a Gronkowski type of tight end in his prime sort of thing. Um. Do you, you, you give Dimitrov a little credit for this last year's draft then? In the past two years with what he's done in the secondary with Sheffield and Oliver? Yeah, I mean, and I, it, I suppose it, they're the, turning the, out to be the line does look a lot better with uh, Lindstrom, with Lindstrom being out there. Yeah. Definitely getting more protection from Matt, which is good, particularly with a, with a defense that's as vicious as the 49ers. Um, it's tough. I mean, you got to consider the injuries too and, and all this stuff. It's just there's still just way too much talent to have this be a record right now. It's like I think we've clearly established that the win against the wins the win against the Saints, um, and and now 49ers, they're not fluke wins. But also in between all this, you went home against Tampa Bay, who has been competitive this year, but you still lost by like 13 points. It's just like well, good teams like teams that can have any sort of modicum of consistency will not do that. Well, it's definitely a problem that we can't win at home. Yeah. Two wins at home. Yeah. Eagles and Carolina. Eagles and Carolina. Correct. So, one could argue if we were playing at the Georgia Dome still, Graham, we could be a playoff team right now. We'd be in the playoffs. You win that Saints game. Yeah. 
definitely could have won that game. You win that Titans game. I really like. I I I don't want to go back to the Mercedes Benz Stadium. I have really no good memories there as a as a Falcons fan. Even the games I've been to that we've won. First game I went to against Tampa Bay the year we lost to the Eagles in the division round, and it was just like the atmosphere was okay. I mean, everything was just okay. You know, it's just, it's just like it doesn't get you pumped like the Georgia Dome used to. Like when you walked into the Dome, it was rowdy as hell. People were going nuts. And even when the team was down and you went to games that were, uh, you know, that were meaningless almost, it was still fun to go to the Georgia Dome. I, I, just something about the Benz, even though it's a really nice stadium and I like it, it, it doesn't call to me. It doesn't make me feel warm and gooey inside. There's nothing about it that's like, oh man, I feel home here. I don't know how to really how to describe it. It's just every time I go, it's just it's just a blase experience. I mean, like United is a different story. I'm not even talking about United. I'm talking about four Falcons games. Well, I mean, it's they always said that about like uh, Jerry World out in Dallas as well. That I mean, it's this amazing stadium, but it's just so corporate. Yeah, so it's kind of just that's the new vibe. I guess that's what people build now. If you put suites on the field that are for corporate corporate people only, and half of the time they're not even filled. Yeah. God knows how much those cost. Put all the real fans at home with PSLs. You get what you get, Arthur. Yeah. And also, I mean, the, the, the team isn't doing anything to warrant consideration for PSLs. I feel horrible for the people that did buy PSLs that are sitting there going like, man, if I was a PSL owner, I'd be rioting right now. Thousands and thousands of dollars on this. Did you hear they're raising the prices? They don't. They can't. How can they have the audacity to raise the prices after this horrible Apparently season? Apparently, they're raising prices for uh, it's a bit a bit clickbaity. They're raising prices for uh, like lower level seats, upper level seats are like maybe going down a couple bucks. I don't know, I don't know but how still, to... for anyone to get their tickets raised, it's absurd. You can't justify that. I mean, you can make the argument that I mean, you and I are definitely not PSL guys. No. If we didn't have PSLs, I think the Falcons are fighting for playoff spot. I think it has nothing you, to you do. You get a better atmosphere well, in there for a couple games. Maybe. That makes a difference. Maybe. I mean, that Seahawks game I was at was a winnable game, but the atmosphere was just disgusting. Yeah. That no wonder you can't get jacked up to play. Right. That's why they play better on the road. They're more jacked up by an actual crowd, maybe even if so. they're cheering against them. I don't know. Either way, the PSLs was a terrible idea. And the Falcons aren't good enough as a historical franchise for people to want to, you know, after all the heartbreak and all the bullshit, uh, to warrant... And PSLs just within themselves are un-American. You, you shouldn't have to pay for the right to then buy your season tickets, which is what a PSL is. Like, season tickets, I get it. You, you, you pay a fee, get your season tickets. You shouldn't have to pay a fee to then say, oh, now I want to get season tickets. It's just... It's ridiculous. What are you going to do, Graham? I'm all for people wanting to make money and all that shit, but it's just like, I mean, Arthur Blank has more money than, you know, almost anyone. And it's like, he was, the one thing I loved about Arthur was he was, you know, when he took over the team, he, he slashed ticket prices. He wanted, you know, the every man to be able to show up to the game and be able to afford season tickets and bring their families. And now it's just like, it's just uh, a bafangul to that now. Well, it was different times. They had to get people back to the stadium. They did. No one was going to Falcons games That's true. back then. You're, you're coming off going to the Super Bowl. Had, had to build some energy. Yeah. Now you got a shit ton of debtors you got to pay back for the stadium. Yeah. 
No, I mean, you know, I, I, I get it. It's just, it's just a shame. That's the, the world we live in right now, but that's a whole other conversation. I think as we look forward to this Jacksonville game, I look forward, I put look forward in uh, big quotations there. Yeah, uh, putting words in my mouth, I didn't know I was looking forward to it, Graham. <laughs> yeah. Minshew, he's got a mustache. Minshew's got a mustache. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, they're an equally mediocre team. Yep. Like us, yeah. but also fighting for nothing. Um, last home game of the year. Um, 680, the fans got a free tailgate. As they do every week. The corner of uh, Marietta and uh, Centennial Olympic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just look forward to um, Young Way Koo probably getting another onside kick recovered. He almost had another onside. He recovered it himself. It was, it was recovered. Well, it was recovered. That, that's a... Joke of a rule. Well, we have four guys lined up, and apparently you can't do that on one side of the ball. We had one less person on the field. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Never mind. You have Sorry. to have an equal... The rule is like something you have to have an equal number of people on each side. Yeah. And we only had four on that side. Mm-hmm. Disadvantage to us. Still gets overruled. I love that he was the guy who recovered it, though, too. And it would have been a legal onside kick. I think you got to bring this guy back next year. I mean, he's an X factor. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been consistent kicking the ball. He had one bad miss, but you know you're gonna miss every once in a while. And he's he's the best onside kick I've ever seen, yeah. <laughs> bar none. Yeah, especially recover onside kicks with the with the rule change uh, to where you can't run ahead of the ball now. It's it's incredible. I mean, he's I know during for the um, Saints game after that game there were three onside kicks recovered in the entire NFL that year. And two of them were off his foot. And then he got another one after that. So now it's up to three. It's just absurd. That doesn't happen in the NFL anymore. No. Um, yeah, so Koo's the bright spot for this entire season. Yeah, he's been an un- un- unexpected surprise. Yeah, I guess the only other thing you got to watch out for with the Jags is Leonard Fournette. He's been a, a monster all year. Definitely a dangerous running back. They have a solid receiving core, D.D. Westbrook, uh, D.J. Chark. But I'm not really concerned as much with the receiving core, but containing Fournette, if you do that, should be in a decent enough position to win the game. But as you can tell by the timbre of my voice, I don't really care. I just want to get the season over with and, and look to the future at this point. And I, want to, I do want to keep watching the growth of the secondary. I've been very impressed with, with Sheffield and Oliver and their ability to Really grab the bull by the horns and make the most out of the second half of the season. In Casey, what do you think about a uh, Vic Beasley's season, Graham? Seven sacks, respectable, certainly a respectable number. I still, you know, he's he's kind of like the Falcons personified. He had the, he was a ghost the first half of the season. The second half of the season has come on, come on strong. He's had a couple of multi sack games. Uh, I still no chance in hell you bring him back. Well, if Dan Quinn comes back, I'd imagine Vic Beasley oh, comes God. back. So then, you know, we get another two and six start of the year, or one or zero oh and eight, <laughs> and then we finish eight and eight. Two and six start, and then, uh, oh God, I just gotta he, he no, you still gotta judge everybody on the, on their entire seasons, and I know enough about Dan Quinn and Vic Beasley to know I don't want either of them around next year. Well, Vic Beasley looks better than Tack McKinley does. Well, Tack's... He stays healthy. That's true. Tack is uh, struggling to stay healthy, and if honestly, if you had to pick between them, I don't know who you pick right now. I mean, I guess right now you would pick Vic, but, I mean, 
considering the contract situation, I'm, I'm not giving Vic Beasley anything in free agency. What if you can bring him back for like $6 million? No, that's still way too expensive. He's going to probably get a much larger contract. Yeah, than and that let him do it. God bless. Godspeed. I, I, I'm, I'm through with him. We, we gotta just conti- We gotta focus our our draft on the defensive line. I don't think Tack or Vic is any sort of long term answer. Tack, unfortunately, it's like every time he seems like he gets going, he gets hurt. And unfortunately, I mean, there's nothing in his track record to suggest it's going to be any different moving forward. So we'll just keep taking first round DNs. No, yep. you know we could have drafted instead of Tack T.J. Watt. He was available. It's easy to play hindsight twenty twenty game. Whoops. Whoops. You know, you could have drafted instead of Jamal Anderson. Justin Houston out of Kansas City had like six or seven uh, 10-plus sack seasons and counting. Whoops. I'm sure there's a number of people I'm forgetting right now, but I'll leave it at that. Okay. And the beat goes on for the Atlanta Falcons. Going to the Hawks, Adam. <laughs> Woof. I don't even know where to begin with this team, honestly. Speaking of wasted seasons. This is a nightmare. Um, I don't know. It's getting concerning to me in the locker room how chippy things seem to be going. The Hawks were absolutely destroyed by the Nets the other night, or not the Nets, excuse me, the Knicks the other night in Madison Square Garden. Who are an equally terrible team. They are worse on paper than, than we are. They have R.J. Barrett and Marcus Morris. And they beat us, they scored 77 points in the first half. They beat us by, I think, 25 or 30 points. Oh, something ridiculous. And we were just, this is a team that is in the bottom of the league, not only in record, but in terms of offensive efficiency. And you gave up over 150 points to them. How is this happening now? Can you explain modern-day NBA basketball and why all of a sudden people are scoring 150 points? Or it used to be like 100 points. That, that was a, a high-scoring affair. So just all the, the emphasis on three-point shooting? Emphasis on three-point shooting. Defense why, isn't as strong as it once why can't, was. Why not? Why can't you defend that shit? I don't know. Um, it's just a... Do we have a basketball correspondent we can bring in on this one? Maybe we will find one one day. I don't know. But I think there is a hell of a lot more three-pointers taken... Everyone in the league, it seems like, has to be able to shoot a three. You rarely find anybody who's just your classic big man who will just park down low. Um, you know, so many guys are 3 and D specialists now. It's like if you can't shoot a three-pointer in today's NBA, you, like, you can't succeed almost. You can't, you can't become a regular player. And certainly that's contributed to it. But I think with the, with the Hawks, the weirdest thing about this is, is that, you know, Lloyd Pierce is a defensive-minded guy, and we're not really – there, the effort isn't there on defense. Like there's like usually the effort's not there on defense in the NBA, but like there's literally almost zero effort some nights. It's like you know the game against the Lakers uh, when they came to town. It's like we saw a decent defensive effort there, and then we go on the road against the Knicks and just get totally blown out. It's just like once again similar to the Falcons. There's no consistency at all. It's very different situations because the Hawks aren't expected to contend, but you're still seeing kind a, of. a very inconsistent output from this team. And you're starting to hear about it in the locker room. Um, and that, that is concerning. No one's like hates each other. It just seems like everyone's really frustrated and doesn't know what to do 
to be able to get that effort out. It's a lot of talk about, you know, we've just got to put the effort in and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, yes, but how do you do that? I saw the first um, article about Lloyd Pearson. Maybe he's not the guy. I'm, we're, I'm not. We're raving about him. I'm not willing to. Um, I'm not willing to say that. Even with a six and twenty-two start, I'm not willing to say that. But I'm saying there's like zero communication on the court, and that's just a sign of like lack of leadership. And, well, I um, think we have a void with all the guys we lost last year. Dead. You know, Chris Kirshner wrote a great article on the Athletic, and he pointed out. I don't want to pretend like I'm, I'm coming up with this, but he said Deadman was a huge leader in the locker room, very vocal. Bazemore was also huge. Even though he wasn't the best player in the world, he was an excellent mentor. Justin Lin apparently was invaluable, as he says. Jeremy Lin. Sorry, Jeremy Lin was invaluable to the development of Trey Young. Who's available, by the way? Like We could bring in Jeremy Lin. Maybe. I don't even know where he is at this point. But... um. There's a very concerning quote by Lloyd Pierce. He says, um, that's the biggest thing. I keep talking about competitive spirit and trying to find that effort. We don't have it right now. That's always going to come back to me. I'll never put it on any of our guys. It's going to come back to me. We have to find it. So it seems like the willingness to exude effort, to ex- want to execute, the willingness to win, is not present night in and night out with this team. And it's just weird to me how, even though it's a collection of a lot of young guys, and I know we've lost a lot of veterans, it's still just strange that this team feels so different from the the team last year, especially in the second half. You, well, know, it's you, just, you, you did lose your core. Yeah. I mean, your core veterans, you lose all them, replace them with two rookies who aren't necessarily yeah. ready. John Collins misses most of the John year. John Collins. I mean, we probably have like seven more wins with John Collins on the court. Yeah. But I think it goes beyond John Collins, you know, coming back. John Collins comes back next week. He's going to play like a man possessed, I bet. I hope so. He better. Considering what, you know, I, I put a little bit this, a little bit of this on him. I mean, it was, it was crazy how we came out to start the season. We looked very competitive, locked in, ready to rock. Yeah. And then once John Collins goes out, it's just like the wheel, not just one wheel came off, all the wheels came off. We've been riding on our, you know, literally grinding gears uh, to this point. It's, it's, it's awful. I think we're 4-19 since John Collins' suspension happened. Oof. And, um, and, 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 but Collins isn't like, you know, a superstar. You can't just expect him to come back and everything's going to be okay. It goes, I think it goes a lot, uh, you know, a lot of it come, goes back to just, you know, the continued development of these players. But someone's going to have to step up and be more of a vocal leader. And I saw a moment with, with Trey talking to, to Cam Reddish the other night. When, uh, I can't remember what Reddish did, but there, there's something he should have done better. Uh, I can't remember if he missed a shot or, or didn't do well in defense. Was, regardless of the, the scenario, but it was nice to see Trey take him aside and just, and just talk to him for a minute. So you see little things like that. Trey's going to have to be the guy. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, what, he's 20? Yeah. Which is a little unfair to him. Yeah, but he's, he's going to have to take on that role. You've got to have someone else other than Vince. Vince Carter can't do everything from a leadership standpoint. you got to have a guy who's going to play more on the court um, step up and, and say something. And it's tough, too, because a lot of these other veteran guys, like your Alan Krabs, your Evan Turners, they don't play that much. So it's like for them to be big rah-rah guys seems kind of disingenuous, you know? You know, your voice takes on a bit of a Steve Holman 
Um, I have Steve Holm in my blood, man. I love that. I love that <laughs> when, guy. When you, when you talk Hawks, it comes out. And you know, there goes there goes Deadman. Deadman's gonna kick it out to Trey. Trey goes around the screen to to Herter. Herter back to Trey. Trey through the legs. Goes around the bend. Kicks it back out to Herter. Herter with a three from a corner. Bang! <laughs> Bang! And LeBron James is complaining to the referee. He said he was out of bounds. He was not King James. He was not. Sit down. Sit down, young man. Yeah, like, like I said, it comes man. out of you, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what to, honestly to say about this team. It's really just depressing. This whole Atlanta sports thing is depressing. Feels like uh, some of the darker days in Atlanta sports yeah. right now. Even I mean, King, we're, yeah. we're coming off. I mean, we know, we know we got a good Braves team, or we're coming off that good team this last year, but it's just like the way we lost that, falling into the shitty Falcon start, falling into this. It's just, what do we got? Yeah. It's, it's really. It's, if United you, get eliminated from the playoffs. Right, when they're supposed to, you know, hopefully repeat. At least they won a playoff round. Give them that. Uh, another disturbing quote here from Cam Reddish. I just feel like maybe we're not together as one. Well, guys, go bond. Go to bar. Get drunk. Figure it out. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, if you if you know effort's your problem, try harder. It's it's odd. What's the problem? Girl? Yeah. I mean, also getting your brains beaten in night in, night out doesn't help the morale. So, I'm not trying to make excuses. But. Maybe try on defense. Start there. Yeah. I mean, if you want to turn it around, it's on... A lot of it is on you to, to, to do so. A lot of it is on the players to, 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 to make it happen. And if you know you're not giving max effort on defense, there has to be a way to figure that out. And right now, you know, even though I was defending Lloyd Pierce, I won't say he's devoid of criticism. If this is the kind of effort we're getting, then we, you know, that's, you know something's got to change in order for... I'm not, I'm not saying he's on a, any sort of a hot seat because you know when you're doing, doing a rebuild, it's going to be tough. You're going to have moments like this, especially with this young core. And some of that can be pointed to Travis Schlink for maybe not trying to bring in some other guys who could, you know, contribute that are veterans. However, um, you think this is secretly what the Schlink wanted? He wants one more top five pick. Maybe. I don't know what the hell he wants. Put put this hodgepodge team together. No continuity. Who knows? Maybe. We're certainly on pace to get in the lottery again, that's for sure. You know what's concerning about uh, the Lloyd Pierce thing to me, Graham? Hmm. You know who else in this town is a defensive-minded coach? Dan Quinn. Yes. And we've had the worst defenses under him. We have. I think it's a little different comparison, considering Lloyd Pierce watching to a rebuild and Dan Quinn inherited some players that, you know, he inherits Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. But I'm just saying, if you're a defensive-minded coach, you think defensive energy wouldn't be an issue. That's fair. But you also have to look to last year, where we did get good effort defensively. We we, we had a very fun team. I don't think you can fully joy, joy, judge Lloyd Pierce right now. But I'm, you know, and, and have any sort of like end-all, be-all opinion on him. I think the jury's still out on that. But I, I still think I've seen enough from him to know that. Uh, he can still get the most out of this group, but something's got to... they got to figure something out from a chemistry standpoint. I'd say you don't need to judge him, but keep an eye on him, Grim. Yeah, keep an eye on him. I mean, you can judge him. I'm just saying don't, like, give up on him. It's time to raise an eyebrow. Yeah, raise an eyebrow. Don't declare him a bum. Don't say we need to... You know, maybe he's not the guy. I think we're, we're, we're way too early in the process to know that. 
We also saw this team just totally turn around last year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again. You know, once you get Collins back and get some continuity going, for Christ's sake. I think getting Collins back is going to give this team a shot in the arm. I'm not saying they're going to go on a run and get back in the playoffs. But... You just need, like, one solid 10-game win streak. Or even, like, five. Like, think small. Give me a five-game win streak. Three? Three, sure. Start there. Are we winning tonight? We were up last time we were watching the game. I'm not sure what the score is now. But, yeah. So it's certainly dark times indeed. Not too much going on with the Braves. Julio Tehran was signed by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim today. Or they're just the LA Angels. I don't know what the hell they're called now. I'd like to give a shout-out of appreciation to Julio Tehran and his, what, seven years of service? Something like that. Maybe eight. Maybe nine. I think, he, I think he first came up in 2011. I mean, he's been a reliable guy, eat up innings. He's a reliable innings eater, I'll say that. Uh, Had a couple of great seasons mixed in there. Pitched the best game of his life in the last game ever at Turner Field, out dueling. That was awesome. Justin Verlander. I, loved, I was there for that. That was great. Uh, he got a bad, I feel like he got a bit of a bad rap by the Twitter sphere his last couple seasons. I think, it was I, I, I think we're going to miss him at times this year. Maybe. I'd rather have... If Cole Hamels can do anything we did in the first half of last season, I think we'll forget about Julio Tehran very quickly. Because but Cole Hamels isn't here to replace Julio Tehran. Cole Hamels. Is, well, you could argue that he is. He's, he's the veteran, you know... I think we expect, veteran a, pitcher. We expect more than Julio Tehran out of Cole Hamels. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it's still going to be interesting to see who's who's going to get that fifth spot. It's been really quiet in terms of any other moves really going on. I mean, you know, Anthony Rendon was signed, but just across baseball. Just you waiting know, on Donaldson. Just, Donaldson's like the big ticket guy right now. You know, Garrett Cole is signed, Rendon's signed. All eyes go to go to Donaldson now. What the hell's he waiting on? I mean, I'm guessing I, there's some calls going up to SunTrust Park back and forth. Or could be. If, if, I mean, if I were him, I'd, I'd be trying to get all the money I can. Yeah, this you don't his, blame him. This is his last big deal I mean, he's really he's just trying have. to get those, that fourth year. Yeah, I think he really... I mean, he said that he wants to come back to the Braves, so... I think he's trying to hold out hope, but eventually you're going to have to make a call. He, he, and the, the, the thing for him, I would also say, is, is that you don't want to get to... You know, February, spring training is going around, we're still having this conversation. I mean, I think something's going to happen sooner rather than later. That's what we said last week. Yes. And the week before. And the week before. But I still feel like before the... I don't even know if it's going to be before the year is out, but it could happen any second. Well, The question is, what does is, what is Don, uh, Donaldson uh, Anthopolis do if he decides not to resign with the Braves? I still stick with I don't see us going... To the regular season with Nick Marquez as our cleanup hitter this year. Yeah, I really, really hope not. Uh, something will get done. I don't know what. I, I, I just put it all, go, all in, Graham. Mm. Trade, Ian Anderson. Whoa. Uh, Drew Waters. Jesus. Fulty. You, you really want to trade Fulty for some reason? <laughs> for Nolan Arenado. I would trade those three for Arenado. Say it. Anderson, Waters, and Fulte? Yeah. Or maybe Anderson, 
They'd want Freed over Fawlty, I bet. I don't want... I can't, I can't trade See, that. I don't think Fawlty's trade value is that high. Even but, though, but he's the third guy in that trade. Ian Anderson and Waters are the big ticket packages. I think that, especially for Colorado, pitching's always tough there because of the park, right? So they're definitely going to want pitchers. We have plenty of pitchers. The issue with getting Arenado is I believe he only has two years left on his deal. So you're willing to give up those guys. I thought they just signed him to a big deal. Did they sign him to a big extension? I think last year. Oh, you're year. right. Yeah. So it's, but I think he can opt out after the second year or something, or the third year. Us taking on a shit ton of uh, money. Yeah, and losing a lot of prospect capital. I mean, let's face it. Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman in baseball, I would argue. Best offensively, best defensively. He's in, he's, he's in his prime. Having him here would be insane. If you had Acuna... Freddie and Arnado in the same lineup. I mean, you are, that's a murderer's row. So it's, it's a scary prospect to give up. I think Anderson could be like a, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, what, what about this one? This is what um, some. That's not a bad package, though. That, and that's just the Adam Kalau package. Yeah. This is another package that uh, someone else came up with. Braves get Nolan Arenado. Rockies get Freed, Fulte, Bryce Wilson. And Austin Riley. Freed and Bryce Wilson. I don't know if that gets it done, man. They're going to ask for the moon. They're going to ask for more than three guys. It's going to have to be like five or six player deal or something. That's scary, though. It's scary. Rings of uh, Mark Desher. But you, if he's not a rental. Yeah. You'd, you'd have to figure something out if he doesn't have the opportunity to opt out. But that could just be you speculating. Yeah. On but it's tough to... I mean, this is coming from the guy who thought that the Phillies got Joe Madden. Right, so you can't take my word for... <laughs> Hell no. You know, I'm not a reliable you know, viewpoint on anything. You're not a source. I'm you're, not a source. A, you're a viewpoint, you're not a source. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a source. You're I, more I, of an opinion-based guy. Yeah. I'll my, listen to your opinion, but you're... Uh... My facts are usually wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about Arenado, man. That would be sweet. It's just... Whatever you have to give up for him is just so devastating. You got to give up something to get someone like that. But you know, we've been talking about all the pitching death in this organization. So I mean, eventually, Bush is going to have to come to shove with that shit. So for, I, Freed is just like he's just so like I want to keep. He's, Freed, he's ready man. now, man. Yeah, I, I that's really the problem. I feel like him. Freed is the now. He's not the future. He's the now. Yes, yes. And Anderson, I've never seen the guy pitch. I've seen some minor league stuff. He looks really good. Power, power pitcher. Seems some highlight videos. Big hook, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's times like this when you when you know all you, all you uh, you know armchair GMs kind of shudder at the thought of actually being the real GM because that's a that's a huge huge decision. I'm telling you, I like my I like my offer. I don't think they take it, but you don't think they take that? No. I think they would. I mean, those are two studs and um, inconsistent, but at times excellent pitcher. I mean, it's not like a bad offer or anything. I just think they'd probably want more just because Arnott is so damn good. Give him some Wilson Contreras as well. And Tukey. And Tukey. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think. I don't know. I think you need at least one more high profile guy in there. I think you'd have to throw Freed in there too. I think if you did that, that might that might be the ticket. But you wouldn't do that, would you? I would be so sad on a personal level if Max Free gets yeah. traded. I or hell, I, they'll I, probably I, ask for Soroka. 
You know that, that that's where negotiations would start. That's on, yeah, that's where they would start. Would they, you do Soroka? I mean, Soroka for Nato straight up? No, I think from so. the Braves' vantage. No, it's very tempting. I don't know. I mean, when you think about it, with the pitching depth, you could conceivably do it, but I think Soroka's got the potential to be, you know, a top five pitcher in this league, and I just would would. As much as Arnado is the best at what he does, he's, you know, approaching 30. Soroka's so young. We're going to have a decade plus of excellence from him, hopefully. However, Arnado is more of a known commodity. It's a tough yeah. deal. What would you, what would you do? I wouldn't do I, it. I would do that. You shit. would do it. Okay. Yeah. You only got a few more. I mean, who knows how many more years of Freddie Freeman. Yeah. No, we need, like, honestly, we've, we've got to. You, you got this. We've got to do something. Got this great bullpen in place. Yeah, we've got to do something crazy here. That's not gonna last forever. Yeah, we've got to do something. I think it's time for Mark to share a trade, Graham. You just gotta hope. You just gotta. If you make some sort of crazy trade like that, you've gotta really. It can't. It can't just be a rental. You gotta have some, like. It, it can't. And I'm not saying Arnaud would be. I'm just saying you can't just give up all those guys for, you know, one year. Of of a very good player or a great player. I saw some trade package where uh, these are also just losers speculating like us. There was like Arenado and Charlie Blackman. And then for our big prospect package, and then you throw in Ender and Ciarte as well. Oh, yeah. Get rid of Ender. I'm totally fine with that. Although we need, we need Ender right now, though. Do we? Yes, we do, Graham. Yeah, I don't think... The, the way people are talking about it, it doesn't sound like Waters or Pache are, are ready. Um, not just for the start of the season, but even like a, a May call-up or something like that. It seems like they need some more seasoning down on the farm. So you're, you're probably right. We probably do need Ender. Yeah, Nolan Arenado signed an eight-year, $260 million extension with the Rockies in, mm. fe- in February of this year. Opt-out after three years. Three years, okay. So we have... We've so you're right, two year. more years. Yeah, two more years. Dude, why would you give him that option? He probably demanded it. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. Eligible for free agency after the 2021 season. Mm. He probably thinks he can go out and get more money with a new deal. He's probably right with the money they're throwing around nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Well, this concludes our, our episode, Adam. I believe that is correct, Graham. Hopefully we'll have something else. Well, we won't have anything else to talk about next week. I don't think we'll be having a show next week. We will not. This might be our last show of 2019. This could be our last show of 2019. 2019. If it is, uh, we want to thank you guys for a great year. I think it's been our best one yet. I really thank you for coming along with us and listening. We hope everyone uh, that you love and you yourself have a great holiday season, whatever you celebrate. And we'll be back in full force next year. And we look forward to talking to you guys then. And I'll just leave you with this, people. If you're ever in a situation where your general manager... For a professional football team, mm. never, Graham, under any circumstances, ever, ever, give a big contract extension to an NFL running back. Words to live by. Take that with you. Words of wisdom. All right. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalis, though. Hospitalis, though.
beard is long and white. Santa's got a beard that's long and white. Who comes round on special night? Santa comes round on special night. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. Who wears boots and suit of red? Santa wears boots and suit of red. Who wears a long cap on his head? Santa wears a long cap on his head. Cap on his suit of red. Special night, beard that's white. Cherry nose, Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho ho ho! Santa laughs this way. Ho ho ho! Ho ho ho! Cherry nose, cap on head, suit that's red. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa, must be Santa, must be Santa, Santa Reagan, Bush, and Clinton, when you say, come my way, ho, 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 Jerry knows, Cap 